This episode of Broken Girl Unchained is brought to you by the Life After Project, lifeafterproject.org. Go check them out. We also have a couple more sponsors. We have Central Valley Automotive. We have Takapa Media. As well as we have House of Pills Entertainment. We are now partners with House of Pills Entertainment, so I'm super excited about that. Any information, please go to houseofpillsentertainment.com. Say revenge is a dish best served cold. I say it's your comeback story. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Juliet, and you're listening and watching to Broken Girl Unchained podcast. Well, today is a long awaited episode. And I'm super excited to announce Miss Director Natalie Rodriguez. Hi. Finally, nice to meet you. I know. We've been talking for like, I think, five, six months right now. We have. Yeah, we have. And you know what? The first time that I talked to you, we stayed on the phone for almost three hours. Yeah, and we did. Yeah, we were just bullshitting. Yeah. I mean, we talked about some good topics. No, we did. And I remember, I think it was like light outside and when I like, went outside it was like completely dark mm-hmm. um over here in los angeles county but yeah no i, I mean it was a good talk then we just got like lost and we just talked life, about everything life, work, mental health yeah. and quarantine and yeah, yeah yeah but oh my gosh okay so you're the director of um the extraordinary ordinary mm-hmm. the film and i'm i'm i I love that movie. Thank you so much. I absolutely could relate to it just because I battle with chronic like mm-hmm. anxiety. So even even though your um, your movie was it had a good storyline, but it gave me extreme anxiety just because yeah. I had to watch Madison Bullock, which is the the main um, character in yeah. the movie. Um, I had to watch her go through all of. Um, her emotions that mm-hmm. you go through when you do battle a panic attack yeah. or um, an anxiety attack. But for someone that deals with it every single day, like me, yeah, it can kind of filter out and be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, sometimes I lash out and I don't mean to, and I don't mean it in a malicious way. It just kind of filters out that way because I get anxiety. Yeah. So, and other people battle it, you know, in different ways, but I have to say your movie gave me anxiety. <laughs> I know you were just telling me before, um, we started chatting here. Um, have you, know, you heard that? Bef- have you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because for me, when we filmed it, um, I was telling Mike here too. I'm like, it's so technical. It's, it's just, it's so bizarre making a film when you're filming those scenes that deal with like a mental health disorder, or especially someone like Madison who plays lead erica i know we film it in a way it's whenever she's having anxiety attack the camera moves in closer on her but the entire time when you're filming that you're not really you're kind of more focused on like timing you're getting everyone in and out on schedule Mm -hmm. but then watching it i watched it about maybe a month ago we did a color correction update on the film uh yeah i was traumatized it was very scary like i had to call my editor i was like yo this is very like this is a dark film and he's like yeah, he's like, what do you mean it's dark? I've been editing it for a year. I'm like, no, I'm like, but it's just so technical when you're, when you, I think you 
direct or produce you're paying attention to like more within like staying within the budget um making sure like you know things are meeting those deadlines so i didn't really experience the full like audience movie theater experience until that month ago wow um which is kind of sad to say but i think it's just it kind of didn't hit me until a month ago getting ready with um a release date later this month so i can totally see why it would i think can definitely like trigger or make someone kind of resonate or start thinking about their own history with mental health. And, you know, I'm writing my, um, well, Mike and I mm-hmm. are writing um, my first uh, screenplay. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I sent it to you. I'm not too sure. But it's on my uh, my 5150. Okay. And um, I'm very open with it. I, not that I like to be open with it. But I just, what you have to go through to to write something like that as well as I mean I can't even imagine someone that's directing it you know it's a first big film so I always tell like directors your first feature film like make sure it's something that you're okay spending you know day and night with for a year and I think honestly what kind of helped was I think kind of recognizing that before going in getting like help myself going to therapy talking about like how do you like go in with like a work mindset and not sort of like sometimes knowing to leave like your own like like I hate saying it's your own anxiety your own like history with mental health kind of like on the not back burner but like not bring it to work or if you do like what are ways to cope Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a struggle though it was still difficult that's what's been tough about doing the the screenplay with with Juliet is because these are firsthand experiences and so she's just like I'm reliving I'm reliving this like we'll sit down I think one day we we got through couple pages and she was just like nope i'm done, I, I'm done. this is too I'm much done. Oh, it's you know? draining it, well it's not only draining i suffer a lot of guilt from it yeah. you know and it's a lot of stuff that i don't remember that it's like you want to put in the archives of your brain yeah. and in hopes that it never resurfaces again Definitely. right so for me to relive that and have that guilt that I battle you know with my children or with um, my ex-husband or even with my um, eldest daughter that I don't have a relationship with that resonates with me and in the screenplay Mm -hmm. at the end it finishes off with my with my daughter my Mm -hmm. oldest daughter and I I mean even talking to other um, writers and other directors I'm in tears just telling them, you know, how, how, what my vision is for it. So I can only imagine, you know, someone writing it or directing it if they don't have firsthand experience, you know, with it, then I mean, is it hard to even write about something that you or direct something that you don't have any yeah, I think um, I always say like the film because we follow the in the extraordinary ordinary follow three um, young adults, and it didn't hit me till doing one of the drafts maybe like four years ago um, when we were trying to get funding for it. I was like, I want to quit. You know, like every writer filmmaker says, you're like, I want to quit. You know, everyone doesn't want to see this film because it's drama or deals with mental health. Um, I get like ridiculous notes people saying, you know, this character should do this instead and I'm like but isn't that stigmatic like there's that's a stigma like shouldn't we also see them in this light mm-hmm. um but kind of was bringing back to those three characters my friend said why are you so obsessed with like Erica Bianca Alex who's Madison Bullock she plays Erica mm-hmm. the lead I was like well because they all represent the past present and future I feel like one was me in the past one is me today and then one is what I strive to be mm-hmm. um and the future is Alex who's played by the wonderful Alex Maltabon 
he's kind of like the one that's always like trying to find like the peace. He's kind of like the mediator, always there for like people mm-hmm. he loves, whether they're blood related, non-blood related. So definitely I didn't realize that until like my friend confronted me on that four years ago, which scared me, but I'm glad because then it can be understood why I was like, no, I have to make this even more. <laughs> so I think... I kind of think any film, especially ones that deal with drama, mental health, I do Mm. think the writer, who often tends to be the director and then the producer sometimes, I do think there's some level of like first-hand experience in the story Mm. or a character is like them. It's a version of them, whether it's their past or someone they want to be because they're working towards and like any type of like recovery program. Got like anxious watching the Mm -hmm. film. Kind of like you said, I'm like, it was hard to watch. But then I kept telling myself, okay, I remember filming this. It looks so fake when you film it because you have like, you know, 10 people on set mm-hmm. um especially because we do have um a very kind of a detailed like a uh, assault scene with one of the characters mm-hmm. and watching that traumatized me but then i remember i thought back on set literally like the person who plays a perpetrator wasn't even like nowhere close to the girl it was all like kind of just the way their arms are placed it gives illusion right right yeah. it's all like manipulation it is um so i think that's what definitely the I think autobiography part with the story um yeah it didn't hit me I think until that month ago and I think I'm glad it didn't because I think I would have been a little to be honest I think a little scared at first right especially I think when you're showcasing um to other people who don't know you because you're kind of bound to get like asked questions I know last their questions were like how'd you guys all meet so I thought that was interesting because I didn't ask anything about mental health um I feel like the mental health questions haven't got brought up until I think during this quarantine mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people want to talk about depression anxiety well and that's the thing you know it's such a taboo subject you know just like sex or Mm -hmm. you know nudity or whatever well now i think is a really really good time Mm -hmm. to hit on the mental health and mike and i we started working on the podcast and even on um broken girl uh the blog you know it the whole primary focus is mental health yeah And um, I wanted to shed more light on it because I know how, A, how it feels to feel so unloved Mm -hmm. that you just don't want to be on this planet anymore. And B, I know how it feels to be abandoned and that anxiety and then everything that trickles with it. And then mental health um, is downplayed, dismissed, mocked or whatnot. So I was just like, you know, this is what I want the podcast to be. This is what I want, you know, the blog to be on. And now that the po- now that um, quarantine hit, now I find that more people are willing to open up yeah. because they're going through those challenges because oh, their yeah. relationships are being tested. Their mental health is being tested. You know, I mean, yeah, marriages, finances, finances oh, yeah. you know, all sure. of those things are being tested right now. And so it it's it's how to turn that negative into a positive yeah you know it's how to look at your glass half full opposed to half empty Definitely. So, and it's a it's a good time to have that conversation now i think people there's yeah. you'll find more people are going to be open to it where maybe in the past you know and this is just me thinking it's just my two cents that's mm-hmm. all it's worth but you know the more people i think more people now are dealing with these issues and confronted with them than they've ever had and I think, you know, uh, they may be more willing to to come out, to, to yeah. work with it, to, to support something that deals with it, you know, or, which is kind of the irony with we were supposed to originally release this movie in May. And of course, when March hit, I already knew you were supposed talking. to have your red carpet in May. red carpet mm-hmm. in April. Actually, oh, it was yeah. April. And then That's May right. was going to be release date. And 
I remember like that's all we talked about from January to March until was it mid-March, end of March when we got the news. Oh, we're going on lockdown quarantine. Um, and I think it's just amazing like how like I think the film was kind of be more accepted now than it was back mm-hmm. then. Um, yeah, people shutting us down mm-hmm. from getting cast crew interviews. People are like, oh, we don't want to talk about mental health or we don't like dramas. I literally had someone write that in an email like we don't like dramas. And I'm like, but there's dramas like everywhere, yeah, everywhere. TV. Yeah. It's not like I'm the one that made a drama. So I honestly think it is the quarantine. You always hear that stigma with entertainment. It's especially with studios. I mean, kind of going to the studio talk, studios are notorious, notoriously known for shutting down a lot of films that deal with like mental health or dramas because, yeah, like, because it won't sell. Yeah. That's the first thing they think of. Or they'll be like, no one wants to see that. But it amazes me. I feel like more people want to see that. But um, let me tell you this. It's like, okay. And this is my headspace with the whole, you know, and I don't mean to talk about me, but I'm just saying like with my, (laughs) no, 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 I have a point. I swear. Now you made me miss my point. (laughs) No, um, with my screenplay, it's like, okay, yeah, it's hyper-focused on, you know, with my life going through, you know, yeah, the opening scenes is, it's, it's kind of intense you know what i mean but at the end it's the fucking comeback story Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that's the message i want to get across it's like you can you can go through whatever you're meant to go through and it be okay like forgive yourself and turn that negative into a positive no i agree so it's it's like you know once i start pitching pitching it to people you know um it's and being that we're in the situation that we're in that it's more it's now it's being looked at you know when before i used to pitch it to people and they were like oh yeah i don't know you know yeah it's horrible you get like those they're just like oh cool like yeah i used to get a lot don't she make comedies don't you go back to comedies i'm like oh my god like do you do comedies i did make comedies before but the Extraordinary was always that one film. I mean, I feel like a, The Extraordinary Ordinary is always going to be that script and that movie that I'm like, I have to make this, even though everyone was telling me years and whatever back in school, like, no, don't make it. F- make something else that will sell more. And you're like, well, yeah, but my heart's saying this. So it's like The Extraordinary Ordinary, it was always like in my gut, my heart. It's like I was obsessed with the characters and I would be even like weirded out. Like, why am I obsessed with like my story characters? And this is before like we did the short film version. So I was like, I have to make this. Like, that was just always my mindset. Yeah, it no. just freaked Follow me out heart. so much. Yeah. I was like, I have to just like figure it out and get it made. For me, I kept I, seeing... Um, looking for signs. Yeah, numbers or... When yeah. Whenever I was driving, this is before we were about to film. So it's back in like 2018. Because we filmed in spring 2018. And in the street sign, I would see a lot. I would see Madison's name. So I'm like, okay, this is time we have to film it. Because like, I was getting cold feet. I was like, what am I doing? Like, why are we doing this? But like, this is, we're filming like 138 pages in like a 13-day shoot. But of course, we had wonderful actors who knew how to like improvise or days mm-hmm. on set. I would tear up the pages and be like, okay, this is what you're going to say now. But I would look for signs. So it sounds silly, but I would see like a lot of like Madison Street, Madison Avenue pop up on street signs. And I'd be like, okay, this is a sign to keep going. Or um, John Posey, he has a son on, Tyler Posey's a son on Team Wolf. Whenever I'd see like Tyler, Tyler Street, like the the valley, I'd always be like, 
okay, I have to keep going. <laughs> I always wonder how the process is. And I've asked this question with Erin Gavin, like how is the process of picking, you know, your crew? Like mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of trying to pick my team just yeah. to travel with me and, you know, to, um, you know, to do Broken Girl Unchained, yeah. you know. What is your process as far as like, Picking people you trust, picking mm-hmm. people that have the best interests, your best interest at heart. You know what I mean? Definitely. And have no selfish intent, you know? I feel the extraordinary, you know, honestly, I mean, this sounds so cliche, it was just the passion. Like, I, I for using an example, we had a great cinematographer. His name's Trevor Roach. He went to actually um, Chapman University, which is in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Never done a feature, but just his emails, the fact that he reached out, the way he was like just talking to me. I just got that he was passionate. He yep. loved the log line. He was like, I watched all this. I stalked your IMDb because he was saying he did. Basically, I was like, oh, no, you did your research, like not just a film, but on me. And I took that as like, I got to meet this guy. And it's interesting because I met him like super late one night because we were both working like insane hours, like 12, 16 hour days on set. And I remember I had to like push back by an hour and he's like, I'm already here. But just meeting him, he was excited the entire time to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and his answer, and I always say this like kind of with my process, is just if they go in treating it like an interview um, and they're like, hey, if you don't pick me, please keep me in mind for something else. I just, I always take that as like, they're just excited to meet you. They just, mm-hmm. whatever they saw, whatever they hear, they're just like, I just want to be involved in your life somehow. Right. So definitely people have passion. Um, I think passion ends up rolling over, I want to say experience, um, just because I've met over the years, I mean, I'm sure everyone else has, of course, but. You know, so we can have 20 years, but they can be like a horrible person on set. They're just, they just cuss. They don't respect you. Oh, I fucking cuss all the time. (laughs) Not that kind of cussing. Like they can down talk you cussing. Yeah. Um, Demeaning. I don't do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially being a female director. Like, I mean, I hear all the stigmas. Like I had a lot of my female directors friends say, oh, like I've experienced sexism on set or like my crew would be cool and they would down talk me because I'm a woman. So go, I would like was being told this kind of like stories by friends and colleagues like right before I was about to interview DPs and crew. And I'm like, oh, my God, like what if I go through that? But I mean, luckily, that kind of I think carrying back my mind, I was able to pick up people's energy more like, OK, this person seems like they really do genuinely care. Or, this person seems off. They're bringing up weird stuff or they're down talking me because yeah. they're like at one DPS, like how old are you? And I'm like, um, excuse me. <laughs> Glad I played it down. I know one of my girlfriends, I was getting ready for a photo shoot yesterday and she's like, she kept picking up my boobs for me. And I was like, girl, I'm 38 years old. They're going to have cra- gravitational pull. <laughs> hey, but that's what friends are for sometimes. Right? <laughs> but it was just funny to me. But I do have uh, another question or not another question, but, you know, uh, before I talked to you, I talked to Madison, yeah. which is a doll. And... um her and I her her first because she sent me the email before mm-hmm. you got in contact with mm-hmm. me and um she w- she listened to uh my episode of um through the looking glass of a 5150 okay and she was completely empathetic and she was yep. like thank you for opening up that's huge you know and I never thought I was going to get that type of and not that I was looking for empathy because I wasn't I just wanted to get my story out yeah a because it was being told to my kids and my ex was telling his girlfriends and stuff like that I was just like it's time for me to come out with my story you know um 
and maybe I can help heal someone, yeah. you know? And so I, it was, I was taken back by her empathy. Yeah. You know, I was just like, wow, like she, 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 she's seen like, my pain you know and she was completely like honest and you know she's like you know i i i I can't imagine going through what you went through and you know and she was just so heartfelt and um i was pretty bummed that i didn't get to interview her we are making that work though (laughs) i know know we are i I think pandemic and covid it kind of threw everyone off schedule I, I yeah, I think maybe just our stars weren't aligning at that point. I think so. With I know everybody's people, <laughs> even some people from cast and crew are not even related to the film. A lot of like producer friends of mine who are like working around the clock were like, "I'm taking the rest of the year year off because of this quarantine." Yeah, you might um, as well. I mean, yeah. you just to get mentally right. I know yeah. that. Um, my brother he passed away from covid and mm-hmm. i just had to mentally shut down you know what i mean because him and i that we were we weren't on good terms i haven't seen him in 20 something years and i you know i didn't go to his funeral or i don't even i think he was cremated mm-hmm. but i mean i don't know his children which would be my nieces and my nephews and you know it wasn't all bad memories I mean there was some good he was my brother you know so I had to grieve him my own way and I had to mentally and physically shut down and so I you know um, disconnected from the world for a weekend and I came back and I'm like all right it's go time yeah you know you need to do that sometimes yeah so that's what I think it might be you know therapeutic in its own sense no, that was me. Um, I think it was like during the second week of quarantine. Like I was, I felt like I was losing my mind. Yeah, I mean, I was about that. couldn't work. I couldn't like focus on writing. And when I can't write, I get, I, I'm still guilty of, I get like panic mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually my doctor put me on medication and then they ended up in it. Cause they're like, no, you're having racing thoughts. Like you need to like, they're like, you need to calm down. Like you need to like, can you just take the week? Like, what do you do on your downtime? Like I start playing this video game, like, literally take the week and just do that all week and it's silly (laughs) advice i thought but honestly coming back the next week i felt honestly refreshed because i was focusing on sleep um picking up on reading again i remember i was like ordering more books so it felt you're an author yes yes i want to talk about that but go ahead go go ahead and finish uh, what yours but no i took a week to play like video games i felt like a teenager again but it was doctors therapists are like what do you do on your downtime like i'm doing this i'm trying to you know press for the film this and that they're like can you like turn off work for like a week they're like you're like this is why like you're not feeling any better like mentally um so that honestly helped i mean i think i think that's what everyone was doing that during this quarantine whether it's Mm -hmm. for a week or weekend or a month or for rest of the year, I think it's necessary. Yeah. And to set those boundaries for some, you know, yeah. for people in general, I know, I think over the weekend, I think I emailed you or something. I was like, I'm, yeah, I'm taking off for the weekend. I'll be available. Uh, I'm not available. But that's good though. Yeah. I just mean, to set, just to that. let, yeah, just to let everyone know, like I, I need this for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and I can't tell you, I wish I would have been like, 
couple days longer. <laughs> we had so much fun. Yeah. I just honestly think that, you know, how you're focused on mental health, because your book, I mm-hmm. mean, it also, um, it's not all about mental health, but it, it kind of, um, it hits on those areas. Yeah. I could, I could relate to it a definitely. lot. So I um, think definitely the book, um, cause I was doing the edit for the part two book. So it's coming out next or January. I'm like losing track of my days here. It's okay. Um, but the book actually scares me too, because we, it's kind of similar to extraordinary ordinary. It's, we see, um, a 14 year old teenage boy, which was interesting. Cause that was my first time writing in a male's perspective. And we see him going through like, it's more about like addressing the elephant in the room. So it's on anything it's on, can be from mental health to, you know, Hey, like whose jacket is this? Like anything from that. But he, the whole entire book, it's trying to find his voice. And I didn't realize how like, you know, a lot of people have been connecting to with that, like just some reviews I've been getting. And they did bring up like a lot of like, oh, your character has PTSD. And I was like, oh my God, he does. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Cause I think when writing it, it's just, I don't think about like, he's having anxiety, he's having PTSD. It's almost like kind of writing the book Elephant. It was more about, I was just like, I just, I'm frustrated for this kid. I just want him to like find his voice like physically and be right. able to like call out everyone that's been bothering him for like 14 years. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it feels like the book. The book was kind of like that. I just felt like mm-hmm. I was like that kid, like teenager self. And that bothered me. It's like, you just want to like, you want him to scream, but then like, well, they can't because there's so many questions and confusions mm-hmm. they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then writing through a boy's perspective, um, I didn't really think about the hard. time, but now it, it, kind of a I'm proud I picked that he was a boy because for me I think with film and media we always see kind of the stigmas with or shaming even when we see like males men uh, young boys or teenage boys you know going through a hard time there's there's a stigma like where the media portrays men have to be macho it's unmanly like if they're you know having depression yeah Yeah, yeah, it's how we're raised yeah Yeah, that's how we're raised We're, we're straight up raised I mean Rub some dirt in it. Get back in there. Yeah. Shut shut your mouth. Don't talk about it. Oh, you're you're gonna cry? Well, go cry in your room, little yeah. girl. You know, and it's <laughs> it's you're not allowed to do that stuff. I know. And even <laughs> even pressure among amongst other boys because we're all kind of raised in that environment. And you know, you get all the apes together, yeah. and you're gonna get something happening. But you know, it's and I know that's that's kind of changing, but. Yeah. You know, it's um, it, it's still one of those things that there's no way in hell the 14 year old me would be sitting here talking about this stuff. Fuck, yeah, I keep doing that. I you okay? You know, and <laughs> I, I, I've been beating in myself up all day. I know, right in the mouth. That's a and, karma, <laughs> right? See, it's telling me to shut up. My my inner child is telling me to shut oh, up no. and, and just suck it up. <laughs> like you know, right? But it's I, I think it's. It's one of those things that that we're not allowed. It's almost like a taboo subject, you know? Yeah. Well, even before we started um, doing podcasting, like Mike was very, he understood mental health because he was educated in it Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And not only that, but I mean, he had to deal with my ass. (laughs) I have a a lot of years prior to you of dealing with that stuff right too, but. but he is also like he's not very nurturing mm-hmm. you know as far as like you know like 
he he was hit both of the women in his family were strong like really really strong yeah. and they played sports and you know and here i am i'm just like you know i'm i'm a crybaby like i'm sick take care of me from my head <laughs> you know i'm like and it's he, not broken i know walk it off dude like is it fucking broken is there a bone yeah <laughs> oh, okay so you remind me of so that's my one of my buddies um my that's my kevin because he does that and he has a history of um, anxiety and depression too and with quarantine I was like dude I'm so depressed I'm in bed and he would just be like well get the fuck out of bed like what are you doing go outside and I'm like you're so mean and a minute later I'm like okay I see what you're doing it's because this is your way of like coping you're just trying to tell me nah like try something new besides like you know if you can today or if you don't like yeah. do something and you know read or go watch your movies yeah but I think yeah. that more the more and more we started doing um, podcasting mm-hmm. you know Mike started being a little bit more open minded yeah. And he started like, you know, having a lot more compassion, even though my daughter falls off the trampoline and he's like, is it broken? (laughs) (laughs) Go walk it off. There's there's a time and a place, right? Like there's there's certain times where you just like because, you know, and not to make it a metaphor or something, but but life's going to kick you every now and again. And you got to be able to pick yourself up. Well, they kind of do it with like football players. That's what I always compare, like those life metaphors of football players, because they play with their sprained ankles or boxers. They play when their nose is broken. It, yeah. Or, you know, they're like, you can't just end because you broke a bone. Like, get over it. That's yeah. their mentality. Well, it, I have a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time getting over it. I'm telling you, I'm the biggest baby. But you know what? I'm okay with that because yeah, this is just bad. the way that I've been built. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, that's I can't. Just, that's who you are, right? Yeah, and so it's it's one of those things yeah and it's it's something that you've opened my eyes to and it's something that that as a man you know it's uh, yeah hell yeah i could i could i could use being a little more nurturing yeah i could use being a little more empathetic yeah Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. which is amazing because i've always been i don't know it just fascinates and confuses me because i'm like well we see it in the media like especially actors i took theater growing up and I did a lot of acting classes up until college because like oh I don't like performing like this isn't yeah. for me but then when you do theater classes I mean they like it almost feels like therapy sessions because you're going through like especially doing drama pieces or in college we did like long sonnets like Shakespeare um sometimes we do um Arthur Miller's I mean your teacher would sit there with you like breaking it down like going through each beat those lines and words and like if you're playing a male character and you're a female like well what is he feeling okay here you know he's sad and then they would almost like walk you through or no this is normal what he's feeling even if he's you are portraying like a, a quote-unquote villain but so that's why i always baffled me like in real life how we never like taken like transition that from the media to real life well, we yeah. accept it with the characters we see on plays or right mo- or sometimes i feel like movies i feel theater is a little bit more i felt was always more widely accepted just from what i've seen growing up it's they're like, oh, that's cool if this guy's sad or he's feeling angry. That's expected. But in media, I always feel like it's been a hit or miss with like TV and film. So let's talk more about um, the elephant. Yes. So um, if we can go ahead and tell our listeners what your movie, or not the your book. movie, the book, <laughs> <laughs> um, the book is all about and um, yeah. what brought you to that point, you know, what inspired you. And um, last, like, how do you feel about it now? Yeah. Um, I mean, the book, kind of like the movie, got rejected millions of times. <laughs> not millions, but like Lost Counter 260. I counted and I stopped like about two years ago. Um, but Elephant, definitely, that one, 
it feels very like personal on top of like if I can be blunt it growing up I had a like many people dysfunctional family where there's a lot of drinking um no one wanted to talk about the elf in the room so a lot I had to deal with like hey you know this uncle this aunt relapse and everyone's like no just let them drink like we're not going to say anything and that always frustrated me granted like, yeah I was like but they're an adult they're acting like a child and then yeah. the child has to like take care of the adults and I think that's where a lot of that anger came from when writing Elephant. It was, um, I didn't realize that until I'd had to do an edit last year before publication. And it was like getting notes from the editor. They'd be like, oh my God, like I'm screaming here. And those kind of reactions, even though if it was like scaring them when they're reading the book, it made me feel like proud, I guess. I was like, okay, good. So you're feeling like what the main character's feeling. Um, and then getting to the main character, his name is Maddie, Matt Smith. Um, it's short for Matthew Smith. And Elephant's about like, it's about Matt. He encounters with multiple family secrets December before starting his freshman year in high school. So this starts happening when he's injured on the night of his 14th birthday. He starts encountering with this weird stranger and it's, he starts getting like some night terrors, some nightmares. He starts remembering a lot of things from his childhood that deal with like other relatives through what he thinks at the time are just nightmares, but they end up being some type of like deja vu. So it's a little fantastical um, without giving too much away. And there's a good twist and through Maddie's journey, I mean, it definitely feels like, I mean, that always kind of felt like when I was writing that, felt like I was like that angry child. And I think for me, the book always made sense if it was told through a male's perspective. I think because I was just, I kind of came from the curiosity of like, I'm curious to see if this was like a boy versus like a girl. And I love where it's at right now. Um, I definitely, getting the reviews, when the first review before I got that, I was terrified. I'm like, they're going to hate it. They're going to trash it. And they end up giving me like some good feedback. And I think one of their earlier ones was like, oh, there's like a typo on these pages. And that's when I do another edit. And I was like, oh, but cool. Like, would you resonate with it? And they wrote like a page. So they said what they loved, what they had questions of. And to me, I think like that's the best feedback with any work. It's if someone, they either if they like love it, they resonate with it. Or even if they don't understand things, I think mm-hmm. if they're asking questions, want to understand like why a character said this or did that. To me, I feel like that's like that's just as positive yeah, yeah. oh yeah because you get yeah, to yeah. walk through with them yeah for sure yeah. i mean you get a sneak peek into someone else's yeah emotions yeah. i mean that's where empathy comes into play and i think that's where uh people what i'm seeing a lot of is that people lack empathy yeah you know and it's really unfortunate you know so i think when you come out with films such as extraordinary Mm -hmm. ordinary or um you know the elephant um it you get to step into someone else's shoes Mm -hmm. you know and that's what i do every time i am you know every time someone tells me a really sad story or their story or whatever the case may be i'm just like i always step into someone else's shoes like my friend of mine she was saying yeah my sister came into town and we were at a hotel and someone was some homeless guy was taking a shit on the side and i was just like can you imagine though can you imagine everything's closed down Mm -hmm. you know can you imagine like they have nowhere to go to the bathroom. Just think about it. Yeah. They have they have nowhere to go. And she's like, oh, I never thought about it. I, I never thought about it that way. And I think a lot of people, I know on my end, uh, that's what they've been experiencing, especially with the quarantine. Um, they're like, either they want to get off social media or they're trying to think that way. Especially like with the heat. I had a, one of my roommates said, like, it's so hot. But like, but you know what? There's people literally out on the street, mm-hmm. like, and it's hotter than ever. And of course, this quarantine would happen during like, what they said was supposed to be like a cold summer, but it has been getting like hot over here in Los Angeles. 
And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like how she kind of, she said that. And then real quick, she kind of like backed yeah. herself up. Like, wait a minute. Like I have, I'm more fortunate here. So even though it was like, she just got laid off from her job too. And she's like, you know, I'm sleeping on a mat here. She's like, I have it made compared to so many people. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. And I think that, I mean, going back to, you know, your book that mm-hmm. I think that it's like, it's refreshing when mm-hmm. someone can actually step outside of themselves yeah. and dip into someone else's emotions and someone else's pain. Because my, and I always say this, my pain or your pain, it may not match, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that your pain is invalid or my pain is invalid. You know, our feelings do matter. Oh, for sure. So it doesn't mean I have to agree with it. It doesn't mean I have to, you know, yeah. like it or anything like that. But I have re- at least respect it. Yeah. You well, know, that's what makes the best the best media. I mean, that's yeah, what makes so. a good film. That's what makes a good writer is when you're reading the book and the pages disappear. Yeah. And you just kind of you're transported into the book yeah. and those characters you can see and feel and and it's it's more of a tactile experience, you know, yeah. and, and you start to empathize and identify with that stuff, you know, and there, there's something about being able to to put that and describe those characters or, or show those characters, depending on how you're doing it yeah. to make people feel something. You know, I know. What was it hard for Madison to, and I, I don't know if you can speak for her, but yeah. was it hard for her to uh, like to go back and forth with the, no, scenes? just to feel pain like that. And to, uh, to, I mean, there was hard days. I mean, I think just from talking with her privately or times on set where, um, like one of my favorite scenes, I feel horrible for saying this. We ended up, we had like 20 minutes to film it. And it's a scene where Erica's very distressed and she starts getting triggered by seeing, mm-hmm. um, it's like a random stranger. She gets triggered and it, she gets triggered by seeing this person because that's still with her past. What, was it in the um, college when she was walking back with yes. her friend? It's yeah. when they're, um, they came back from like a night of drinking. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's my favorite scene, and I always told her this, I'm like, I feel horrible because I remember that was so hard for her to grasp because then I felt horrible because you're like, okay, we have to do like another take. I remember going up to her at times, I'm like, um, do you need a minute? I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I have to, I felt like I had to explain myself, but I mean, she's such a pro. She was like, no, like I get it. Like it just, and if she needed a second to like get into character or, or take a minute just to like chill out and kind of even, I've had actors say this on this particular set, like, you know, this isn't my, this isn't like my life. This is the character's life. Like let me kind of disconnect and reconnect. Yeah. yeah. So I think definitely it was having like those codes with her. I remember I used to tell her like, if you just want to say, hey, now I need to go to like the restroom, like I'll get it. Like I won't bother you. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I think maybe she like once or twice. And usually I think because those are like days where we were filming continuous takes with certain like heavy scenes where characters experience anxiety attack, panic attack, or she's feeling like triggers where she's about to have that anxiety panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think triggers are the fucking therm- yeah. the motherfuckers. Well, and even actors can get triggered. Um, and I've had this even on sets – I mean, including extraordinary ordinary and stuff that even other sets where actors will get triggers. There'll be like, you know, hey, you need a second. And sometimes even if it's like a scene where they're crying, they get so caught up because it is emotionally draining. I'd say I have actors so many credit because, I mean, I'm just there standing by the camera like, okay, go again. And then you're just like, oh, my God, they have to like mentally get there Mm -hmm. to, you know, deliver it each time. Hit those notes. Yeah. I think especially with extraordinary ordinary. I mean, I remember because Madison, I had her. Like, I knew she'd be Erica the minute I saw her, like, back in, like, 2016, 17. Then 2018 is when I locked her in. 
And I remember, I think what helps, fortunately, with us was I was able, her and I were able to talk, like, okay, so we're getting closer to filming. How are you feeling? Um, both of us should go see, like, a therapist, like, just so we can stop, like, our meetings and keep it, like, we don't get so lost. Or if we get, like, we need a minute, we're able to, like, kind of vocal that without feeling guilt. Because um, I think it's another thing, too, especially when you're dealing with films that deal with mental health or any type of trauma recovery. Um, at least on my set, my biggest goal is make sure, like, hey, people can come up to me and be like, hey, I'm having, like, an off day. And I just, you know, they don't have to feel obligated to, like, go into details why I feel guilt. Um, just because of the stigmas we see with so many sets. It's like, yeah. get over it. Oh, you're tired. You know, get over it. Yeah. And, you know, people get mentally drained. I mean, just those long hours. And um, I know for Extraordinary that I my that was like a fear of mine was like people burning out emotionally because not only you're doing those long hours, but because you're doing very intense scenes or very like emotional scenes with character or multiple characters. Um, so that's why I'm still amazed like how we just, we shot all that super fast. How did you get funded for something like that? Because I, I know that it's, I mean, again, you mm-hmm. know, mental health is a taboo subject, mm-hmm. you know, how did, how did, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, and of course. Um, so most of it, I had some small investments and then I ended up paying for some too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to do that very cheaply, which is kind of. It is unheard of and then heard of. It's like you kind of hear like the Robert Rodriguez story, like the $7,000, you know, feature film. And I just think that was impossible. But I'm like, it is possible. But I think if you shoot, because we started about maybe like we were under 10000 for production. But then it adds up like as you're going through posts, festivals. I mean, you go to these film festivals, you're paying for your own screener. You're getting your own ticket. So, I mean, that kind of was like, you know, paying as I went. Um, some producers we brought on board, like some, a lot of our, associate producers you know they chipped in so a lot of it was like friends colleagues they were I think because maybe I was complaining so much I'm like oh my god this is so stressful I'm like what I do and that's how I got like one of my friends she left me a check one day on like my desk and I was like trying to give back to her and she's like nope that's for you she's like I really just want to help you and I'm like well I think give you like an AP credit she's like no don't thank me I'm like no I'm like I have to like get this on paper so kind of ironically through the funding like the through small investments I was learning like more about like the contracts um, with friends and then just people who were just genuinely wanting to help. I yeah. mean, they hadn't even seen a rough cut. I was like, I'll send you whatever. And they're like, no, I trust you. And it was just so like, just that faith they just had in the product. How did you get some main characters? I mean, because yeah. they're, they're, I mean, every, it, they're well known. Yeah. You know, um, did Madison, um, I'm going back to the funding. Yeah, did Ma- she owns her own production company. Yeah. So, did she help out in that as well? She helped out definitely with the casting. So I know okay. her and Anna went to school, God, I think like 10 years ago or something. And we actually had a different, Anna plays Bianca, one yeah. of the co-leads, who's Madison's character's film, friend. a friend in the film. Yeah. And I remember we had, because kind of like any film, we had different actors in the lead role, the cold leads. So it was Anna's role and then Alex Montalban's role. And I panicked because they ended up dropping out. We had someone want to, just they didn't want to do acting anymore. Another one's manager stepped in. They're like, we want more money, more ownership. So I was like, oh, my God. And I remember Madison, I was like, we should just quit. Like, I can't, I can't. I was just like in like that panic mode. Yeah. And she ended up bringing me Anna and Alex. She was like, who are you looking for exactly? And then I kind of was like, well, this, that, someone who can like portray these emotions. And she's like, okay, got it. And then she brought me them like, I think like a week or two later and She's seen your vision. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I was like in the, I mean, kind of going back to like, I was like in my crybaby moment. I was like, oh my God, I'm like, this is like the two co-leads, not even like a day player. This is like, you know, people that are like filming like 
10 out of the 13 days. Well, that's good that you Ugh. have someone that balances you yeah. out. But you need that because I think, I think as you go back and forth, it's like if one's panicked, the other one's like, we'll be okay. Like they're just, they're just all that confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely it helped having her like by my side because I mean, because the casting, for me, that was like just like my worst fear. And then I had to remind myself, well, this happens on the biggest sets of movies where people drop up the day before and then they just grab someone they know they can do the role. That's kind of what happened with Extraordinary Ordinary. Um, They even happened with Della, who plays Madison's mom in the Mm -hmm. film. And Della is actually a veteran theater actress. Um, And she didn't tell me because she's so humble and she's so sweet. Definitely, I recommend chatting with her. I mean, she's such a doll. Um, she was cast like I think three days before her role and I was in the works of like trying to cut out her role because we couldn't find anyone just it was a preference like I was watching auditions not that the other actresses were bad actors I'm like it's just my gut I'm like it's just not right and Della same thing a casting director friend who helped with the short like six years ago texted her like on an eight o'clock at night like on a Tuesday I was like I'm looking for this actress do you know anyone within the hour I met Della like at the some coffee bean and like by Kelsey Fullerton and that was just I mean it's amazing just you I think it's because when you're like kind of in that high like strong panic mode right for some reason it just it didn't like I wasn't hesitant to reach out I was like I really gotta ask for help like there's no shame like don't go straight to like I'm gonna quit (laughs) I think I honestly think that you know I don't know your higher power her higher power my higher power I think the higher power (laughs) puts people in your path I call them my guardian angels you know what I I mean that those people are maybe to guide you because I mean even like Axel you know what I mean he just you know he he has some pretty well-known a couple well-known films he's known you know and it's just like he took out the time to have like a two-hour um meeting with mike and i on our on my screenplay and it was just like holy crap like he or even boris you know from uh house of pills <laughs> entertainment sorry i i was gonna say house of pain <laughs> sorry that's my fault i think i said house of pain too earlier <laughs> house of pills entertainment but i mean they gave me some really good feedback and it's just i think it's just food yeah. you know what i mean it's food it to food to fill your soul and it's it's good direction yeah you know even though I'm, I'm not no one i'm not asking for handouts i know mike isn't so it's just like it's one of those things that if things just fall into play yeah. because these people are put in your path you know then it, it will just all work out same thing with yeah. extraordinary ordinary right and definitely and, and that too because it made me think about how i met posey john posey plays the dad i mean i was like he's right for the role and my and it, even at like just cold pitching to people especially in la it's what's the worst you don't get a response on an email or if you do they're just like don't respond to me i can't take unsolicited materials that famous word oh yeah um so that's what i think I mean, I learned that too with for making extraordinary ordinary. I was like, okay, this person's a role. I just have to just reach out. Like, if they say no, then that's not meant to be. I was trying not to get so caught up in that like mindset. Yeah, but you know, I'm guilty. I would sometimes. I mean, I'm no, human, it's true. so you right, get like right. back and forth. You know but what yeah. I get caught up on? Well, how many followers do you have? Oh, I, and I'm just like. <gasps> What you is know it? what? Like, I don't I force people to follow me. Hundred or something. I never pay attention to it, but that's funny. You brought up my little sister did. She used to have the unfollower app, so she would check it every day and see who had unfollowed her on Twitter, Instagram. Oh my god! I, I guess Facebook even, does that now. I too. never paid attention until my PR like brought it to my attention, and I was just like, "Well, I don't force people to follow me." Yeah. Like, I don't unfollow and then follow. Oh like, my there's god, like a, a there's a, there's a science to it, right? Yeah, yeah. I just feel like. 
I want people to follow me organically. I mean, what, what it takes away from the whole, you know, and that's just my pureness. Me. Yeah, I agree. It <laughs> is a thing, especially in entertainment. It's um, that was like even the thing I heard with pitching the extraordinary. It was like, well, how many followers does Casimir have? And they'd pull it up before I got to be like, what? And they're like, oh no, too low. Why yeah. aren't they at a hundred thousand? And you're like, excuse me, like what do you mean a hundred thousand? Um, or even with me, someone's like, why at the time? I guess I was under a thousand. Like you need to have at least like fifteen thousand. I'm like. Yeah, but I'm just starting the post, like, and I agree, it's, like, organically, like, yeah, you want should, the, you want people to, like, the right people to follow, I guess. It doesn't match my downloads, people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. No, and that's sad, because I'm hoping this quarantine's changing that, because it seems like a lot of, I mean, kind of going back to the studios, or, like, even, not all executive, but I've met even a lot of producers, like, they would say, I would not cast this person because they don't have that many followers. I'm like, so you would pick the amount of followers versus talent? Like, oh, yes. Wow. I'm like, they can, I'm like, what if you discover like the fresh new talent? Like, no, that'd be established. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, but that's just, I want to say, not that it's unrealistic that you can get like a Brad Pitt in your first film that you write. But I'm like, well, I'm going to get motherfucking Brad Pitt. Watch. <laughs> we were just talking. No, I was like, that'd be a dream team. Someone's like, then you got to make a once upon a time in Hollywood part two, like get Leo and Brad Pitt again. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that was pretty, like, genius casting. <laughs> right? Or Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. Part two. <laughs> right? Part three. Oh, I'm still pushing for that. Yeah. Trust me. That's one of my favorite movies, by the way. No, I love that movie. I know. And, but I think that was, yeah, that always, like, kind of amazed me. And I would always, like, keep my mouth shut. Because like, then it's kind of sad because, like, being an assistant or intern or working on set, like, over the years, being a freelancer, you'd be like, okay, they must be right. And then over the years, you're like, okay, that's just, like not realistic because then you're shutting out like you said like talent like people i mean and i'm always like but people like were once quote-unquote not famous right like your yeah. Brad Pitt's, jennifer lawrence i mean i think most of them they're not even on social media so it's yeah. like social media in the, the day i feel like it helps but like i'm just really bad at this stuff like because i treat people as people yeah. you know i'm like like oh my god i do get starstruck by the way but i mean it's it's it doesn't just, it's not a staple in my yeah. head, you know? Hollywood's been just tripping me the fuck out. It I'm just still like, does. I'm just like, holy crap, this but, is the way people roll. But at the same time, I totally respect the industry and yeah. I respect, you know, people's um, passion for it. And yeah. I respect everyone's happiness and, I feel like you it's know. like any industry because I... I think a lot of like my family and friends, I have a lot of family relatives in like uh, the medical field, nurses or becoming nurses until this day. And I'm glad I, they kind of treat me this way. They're like, how do you deal with like LA? Like, so why did you move closer? Um, because then I'm like, keep thinking it's, it's cause I used to get stuck in that mindset, like growing up, like, oh my God, like entertainment is just bad. Everyone like sucks. But then as I got older, it's like, well, no, it's like any other, any other industry, you know, you're going to have your bad eggs. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, no matter what you do to try to, like, avoid those bad eggs, it's like you eventually, like, encounter with them. Yeah, just look for the red flags. Yeah, <laughs> red flags. And the instinct, too. I've learned that, mm. I think, with writing Elephant, the book, and then making The Extraordinary Ordinary, um, like, listen to my instinct more. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, cause especially both of those stories deal with heavily with, like, mental health. Um, and then when you're going to, like, promote the work, and then you're getting, like, asked questions, you're like, oh, shoot, yeah, you're like, oh, my God, yeah, like, this is dealing with, like, these subjects, you know, PTSD, depression, anxiety. So I think usually, like, when I do any of that, like, I try to, like, check in a lot more with myself, like, how am I feeling mentally? Am I tired? Or mm -hmm. I have to go somewhere today. I'm just going to, like, watch TV until, like, I have to go. 
Um, right. Because I think I I was guilty of not doing that. I would God, be, I need to watch more TV. Maybe I'll know. <laughs> no, I recommend are. it. No, <laughs> I think because it's just, i never been a big TV person until, I think with quarantine, just friends send me like literally like recommendation list. Or like go to Netflix, type in this, watch this, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. My best friend would do that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it helps. And I'm like, okay, sure. I'll watch whatever you tell me to. And twice a week, he'll send me, go to Amazon, watch these movies. So I think it's just that's the way. That's I think what I did with Madison. I just remember, mm-hmm. like, um, I finished talking to her. We were on a two-hour phone mm-hmm. call or whatever, and I ended up like spending, you know, a couple of hours just following up on her. I yeah. cyber stalked her. I yeah, <laughs> don't cyber stalk me, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I mean, I did my research. Yeah, you know, and she's an amazing skater. Oh my. God, yeah. it seems so effortlessly. You know what I mean? She that's, skates just. That's just Canadian. That's the, that's. The, yeah. See why do well, it looks scary to do? Because I'm right. always my mind goes to like I'm like those are real blades. Because I remember she traveled right before we started filming, and she was like doing it every night, and I was like that sounds exhausting. Because it it's does, just, but when you're passionate about something, it's like yeah. you'll put in every blood, sweat, and yeah. tear, just like your you, you know your your movies or you know True. your book. You're just like you're willing to go through anything and move mountains. And yeah. Mike and I, we've had this conversation on, you know, Broken Girl, where it's just like, you know, if you're not putting blood, sweat, and tears into it, then, you know, it's it's not going to be Broken Girl Unchained. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be what we want it to be. Yeah. You know, so that hard work, it definitely becomes your passion and your drive, and you yeah. have to be hungry for it. Yeah. So, and I think that goes for anything sports. Oh, I yeah, mean, for sure. Movies, books. Um, it's anything you want to be good at. Yeah. You want to be good at something, it's, it's, it's it takes work. It's it becomes easy. your baby. That's what it is. It's your baby. And for me, I always like to learn because each, like with filmmaking, each set's different. Or even writing like the books or screenplays, each time it's going to be different. There's mm-hmm. some where you, like with screenwriting or writing, you're like, oh, this came out easier. And then the next time you write something, you're like staring at the screen. You're like, oh my God, I can't get a sentence out. Right, right. So I feel like that's kind of where the blood, sweat, and tears comes. Because mm-hmm. you want to, at least for me, it's like about learning. Or, you know, if there's some projects that need to take longer time any work on other stuff then that's kind of like the that's reality it's just there's projects you hear about getting written first but they were made you know years later and the other script that was written in like a month was made first right but i think that's just reality it's just it is it's the the yeah definitely so um natalie why don't you go ahead and um tell our listeners where they can follow you and um you know uh, maybe give a what's coming up yeah what's yeah. coming up next yeah, yeah what's yeah, coming up for sure um so if you want to you know check out some i've been doing some throwbacks on my social media old Seen shorts that. Mm-hmm. yeah um you can follow me on instagram it's not christine rod christine spelled the ch um i love twitter um i've recently been obsessed with horror films uh i was actually supposed to be making a, a horror short before quarantine so i'm at nat chris rod and again that's uh chris is with a ch um seriously like some of you like recommendations on scary movies i just got shutter tv the app oh, so yeah. <laughs> it's been like heaven and i think because it's quarantine so i'm like you know what i never really explored like some of these films i should just start watching them um and then later this year we're actually still in talks we want to release it around the holidays or next year just depending how things look with this quarantine pandemic um i my second directorial features coming out howard original uh based on a short film a friend and i shot back in 2019 
in like 2016. So we're currently in post. Really excited because it's a little bit more of the, on the raunchy side. So if you like raunchy comedy, um, it might be <laughs> more up your alley. It's maybe This one's definitely for like 18 and over just because of some of the mature themes it deals with. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're excited. It's about a washed up screenwriter. He's leaves to a uh, cabin in the woods to finish his script and he finds himself between reality and this altered universe um, when he adopts a cat. And yeah. Huh. And we used a real life cat, by the way. So fun fact about that: um, when we work with the animals, just make sure that you're not allergic with them. Because I actually broke out with the rash. When we, <laughs> we first filmed with the cat, and that was day one. So I was like, I can't go in anywhere. <laughs> so, what, right. any other questions? No, I think we're good. No. Thank you very much yeah. for coming out. Thank, thank you, so thank you. Oh my God, it is such a pleasure to yes. finally meet you in person. Finally, like six months in the in the yes. works. Oh my hey, God. It's timing. I was I like, it's time, and then quarantine hit so we're like okay i know i know and you are such a beautiful person inside and out and i'm i'm so amazed by your work and not only that i can't thank you enough for shedding light on mental health that means a lot we're we're on the same mission you know so um thank you once again (laughs) thank you so much Until next time. And this is Broken Girl Unchained, Season 2, Unchained in LA.